Hey, it's Kathy. I just want to let you know that I'm doing a free five-day workshop. It's called the Abundance Activation Challenge, and it starts today. And it's not too late for you to join us. Today is the last day to join. Go to kathyheller.com slash five day to sign up. The pre-party has been happening and it's been such a blast. There's so many high vibe women in there who are ready to call in more abundance. I know that you will love that you showed up for this. I'll be live at 9 a.m. Pacific, 12 noon Eastern every day this week, teaching you how to become a master manifester. You are just going to have the best time. If you want to join us, sign up at kathyheller.com slash five day. Hey guys, it's Kathy Heller. Welcome back to another episode of Don't Keep Your Day Job. I'm going to get right to it today. Um, I shared some thoughts yesterday. I've been doing this book club twice a week. I've been going live um, for about an hour, reading some excerpts of the book and sharing whatever I feel is helpful with you right now in this time. And I did a session yesterday, which was part two of this book club. By the way, this book club is free. You guys can join it at kathyheller.com slash book club. And I want to get right to it because time is so precious right now. And um, I hope these words fill you with something that makes you feel like you're being given a huge hug. That is what I am sending to you right now. I'm here with you in this and it's a lot. And uh, let me just get right to the session. Let's take a listen. Welcome, everybody. So we are doing part two today of the book club, and I'm hoping that this is going to bring you support. And I thought that we would start with a little bit of mindfulness right now. I think everyone could use it. So um, I was looking, you know, yesterday on Instagram, and um, Dr. Joe Dispenza was talking about the nervous system. And I, uh, I find it really fascinating the way that we are wired. Um, but I think it's really important to understand the way our bodies work, the way our minds work with our bodies, and the way that all plays into our immune system. And one thing that's interesting to know, it's really important to know, is that when we get scared, when we feel anxious, when we are reading the news and we feel things in our chest start to tighten and our heart starts racing. What kicks on is the sympathetic nervous system. And um, we know that that takes a lot of energy from the body. Every, you know, the blood rushes to our extremities, our pupils dilate. This is sort of taking us back to a time when uh, we were wired to run from a saber-toothed tiger. And so everything kicks on and it takes a tremendous toll on the body. And so we have to understand that when we live in that place and we stay in that place, it's not good for our immune system and it keeps everything sort of like revving, 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 and it's just burning, burning tons and tons of energy. And then um, what happens when we find a little bit of, of calm, what happens when we find a little peace, a little break in the clouds is what kicks on is the parasympathetic nervous system. And when that kicks on, it allows for natural regeneration of cells and uh, uh, the body's own healing system to start to come into play. And it releases good endorphins into the body. And there's actually an immunoglobin, and I know it's a hard word to say, 
that gets released. And so truly, like, this is hardcore science. If you can kick on your parasympathetic nervous system three times a day for 10 minutes a day, it has antiviral antibodies that actually get sent into your body. So it protects you from getting a virus. That's what your body knows how to do. I'm not saying that it's going to be the only thing that you need to defend yourself, but I am saying that it works to a certain extent and that it is very real that when we kick in the the parasympathetic nervous system, our bodies are in a place where they are fending off virus, they are healing, the white blood cell count is doing what it needs to do, and everything is actually moving in harmony. What that lets us know is that if we are finding that we are in a state of anxiety or fear and it's it's it, we're living in that place, not only is that so unpleasant, but we're we're not defending then. We're not having a defense. Our body's natural defense system then is not able to be there the way that we need it to be for our immune system. So knowing that I think is fascinating. And I think what we need to do is try to find a way to practice coming into alignment with a little bit of mindfulness, a little bit of peace. So even if we can practice that 10 minutes a day right now, that's really going to help. So let's do a little bit right now. If you are sitting in a chair, then let's just do something super simple. Um, Notice your sit bones in your chair and just notice which one you feel more. Like, do you feel the right one more than the left, the left more than the right? There's no right or wrong answer. It's just to kind of bring you into the present And now see if you can like sink down further so that you feel them both equally. There you go. And just when we call up our senses, whether it's smell or touch, hearing, tasting, it brings us into the moment. And so a lot of mindful practices have to do with either feeling our breath or walking meditation or tasting mindful eating. And so you could decide right now that you're going to pick one little thing And for like just a couple minutes a day, just see if you can draw your attention into one of your five senses. Maybe you can decide that for the first 30 seconds of eating anything you're going to eat today, you're just going to stop and taste it. And notice even as you're putting the strawberry up to your lips, notice what happens even before you taste it. If you can start to feel your mouth like pooling with saliva and like notice how like the gravitational pull of your body moves towards the strawberry. And then maybe even stop for a second to be mindful of the interconnectedness of things and knowing that this strawberry started as a seed and it was planted in the ground and there was a human being who you never met and never got to thank who worked the land and how the sun and the moon and the wind and the rain for days on end, we're all going into this little strawberry. And then one day somebody came along and picked it off the vine and put it into a little container. And then there was a truck driver who you never met who drove that out to the store and left their family for hours to go and bring this produce. And then somebody met this person at the grocery store in the back alley and lifted all of this off off the truck. And you could stop to be mindful of that for a moment. And all of the mindfulness helps us to kick in the parasympathetic nervous system. So it's not jimbo jabbo wacko. It's like really very real. And more than ever, we need to find stillness right now. There's so much suffering and there's so much anxiety and there's so much here that is so hard to hold. 
And that's not our job. Like we're not able to hold all of it. It's, it's so beyond that. The only thing that we can try to do is to find a way um, to, to be here right now as best as we can. And that sometimes is going to look like crying your eyes out because you're really going to need to be mindful and be with yourself wherever you are. And some of that's going to be about, can I find new tools to find more equanimity and find more acceptance with what is, as opposed to resisting it. When you're on a, a machine at the gym and you, you feel pain, um, it's usually because there's a resistance, right? And resistance can build muscle, but at the same time, resistance is what causes the pain. So when we resist what is, there's a lot of pain there, but when we accept it and we say, okay, this is where it's at, this is what's going on, and I'm going to be with it. Um, part of that means there's a lot of pain and it's very uncomfortable. And there's a lot of things in life that are extremely uncomfortable that then lead to a tremendous amount of awakening and healing at the same time. So we don't really know what's happening, but it does seem as though we've been put into a cocoon and just like a caterpillar going through a chrysalis and a metamorphosis, when the cocoon is opened, I have no doubt that there will be a transformation. And I have no doubt that some of it will be tremendously healing and it is very powerful. And you know, when you slow down, it presses into all of your stuff. So all the shadow work, all the things you've, you've survived that you maybe never had a chance to go back and grieve. There's a lot of grieving right now. There's a lot that's being asked of us. Um, we don't like change as human beings, but the only thing that is constant is change. So there's a duality to that. And, uh, and there's a dance here for all of us. And so learning to sort of um, find how to be a little bit more mindful in this time is really going to help us literally find a way to kick in our natural ability for immunities that can be coming from our own body by learning how to just sink a little bit deeper into the moment. So I just wanted to share that with all of you. The very first time that I went to a meditation, I was like, so uncomfortable. I felt my whole body was like in a sunburn and I, I left and, um, and I went back because I knew that there was something I was running from and I didn't want to be still. It's really hard to be still. Um, a friend of mine, she's a very, very famous mindfulness teacher. And she says that when she goes into battered women's shelters and she works with women, they can't stop moving. And it makes a lot of sense because when we've been through trauma, we don't really want to sit with it for very good reason. It's, it's a coping skill. Thank God we're very brilliant and we're very, we're survivors. And so we learn to move so we don't have to feel, but right now we're all being asked to feel. And on top of being asked to be still and feel, there's a lot to feel that's very overwhelming and very scary. And it's a little bit of a roller coaster. But what I'm suggesting is that if we can spend a few minutes every day and just be in this exact moment, tasting a strawberry, feeling your feet, if you decide to do a walking meditation, it could literally be as easy as like 20 seconds a day. You could say to yourself, every time I walk to the fridge, I'm going to use that as a walking meditation. And from wherever I am to the fridge, just for those 12 seconds, I'm going to notice the heel of my foot, the ball of my foot, the heel of my foot, the ball of my foot, the heel of my foot, the ball of my foot. I'm telling you that these baby, baby practices 
will make a huge difference. And you might come to find that there is something absolutely beautiful waiting for you in the present moment. All right, let's dive into chapter two and um, and let's see what beautiful things might be here. So I'm going to read a little bit from chapter two, which is called The Path and the Process. And uh, at the beginning is a quote from Mary Oliver, who uh, passed away not too long ago, one of the most brilliant poets, writers. And she says, listen, are you breathing just a little and calling it a life? And before I go on, I just want to say um, another gift that's possibly in the middle of this big old pile of darkness is, um, is the awakening you know, I think that what we're going to see is that there's some businesses that don't make it and some of them are going to have to learn to pivot. And there's some things that we were once doing that we won't be able to go back to. And one of the questions that a friend of mine asked me this morning is, if something doesn't make it, is it possible that there was something about it that wasn't essential or that wasn't 100% in alignment, or that wasn't for the highest good of the person who was making it or the people who were receiving it, which is a really fascinating question. And I think we're all going to be asked to show up in a way now where what we do is essential, what we do is filled with empathy, what we do is in alignment with our souls. And the more that we create a life from that place and a business from that place, we will find that those things sustain. So sustainability goes far beyond our carbon footprint, but also in terms of what we, what we do in relationship to how we do and, and, and what we choose to show up for. So I think that, that quote is amazing. Listen, are you breathing just a little and calling it a life? So let's read on. Let me begin with the most basic and important of all truths. Your presence on planet earth is a serious matter. You are worthy and were created to enjoy every gift that this world has to offer. As my friend, the illustrator and podcaster, Angie J. Pizza says, people love diamonds because they are rare, but what's more rare than an individual? Whether you believe in God or science, your DNA and the experiences you've had make you the most rare thing on the planet. There never was and never will be another you. Your existence is the only proof we need that there is something only you can share with the world, something which will make it more whole and more beautiful. I bet you opened this book because there is something gnawing at you. It's not that you don't feel like you're enough. A part of you has always known you're capable of so much, but you're fed up with playing small or sitting it out. You want to live up to your potential, and when you don't, well, I suspect that's where anxiety creeps in. There's a mission born inside you that is so big and so brilliant that your only option is to live up to that potential or spend the rest of your days in a wasteland of doubt and despair. When you hear that inner wisdom whisper, you are here to do something great. Listen up. You're about to be led to the exact opportunities that will empower you to share your unique talents with the world. Most people who are not excited to wake up every day usually do not grasp the breadth and wealth of possibilities. Perhaps you were told your dream was not reasonable or you lacked the strategies to bring it to fruition. I want this book to help with all of that. Let's excavate the old ideas around who you are. Let's explore what turns you on, what brings you joy, what you want to learn. Let's start shifting your priorities towards what you want more of in this lifetime. 
The more you let things flow into your ecosystem, whether it's money or love or friends or creativity, the more of it you have to share. The more you make your well-being a priority, the more you can serve others. The happier you are, the more you give others permission to do whatever makes them happy too. Because ultimately, we're here to serve. The more you have, the more generous you can be. The world needs more people who radiate good feelings, who make the things that they were put here to make, who live in a state of abundance and in turn inspire others to reach for the stars. True feelings of joy are contagious and give others permission to follow their own bliss. By aspiring to become more conscious versions of ourself and acting toward our highest potential, we show up in better and truer form for our families and friends. Once we begin to understand that how we show up in our one area of our lives is how we show up in all areas of our lives, then we can begin working toward a more holistic and integrated state of purpose, success, and happiness. This flow state is where we feel powerful and in alignment, whether in a boardroom or a bedroom, on our laptop or the lap of a friend. David Sachs is an incredible writer who shared this simple but powerful idea. Make your life into art. Ask yourself every morning, how can I serve the world? How can I make a difference for another person? Keep leaning into whatever makes you feel more you in the moment. As you align with your higher self and have the courage to walk toward whatever is whispering to you, doors will open and you will connect with people who need your gifts. You are constantly being led to where you're needed and what will bring you the most joy. You can also do what you love and get paid for it. Not only that, but you can get paid very well, but you need to take action lots of inspired action. This book will give you plenty of ideas on what action to take, so let's get started. The first step in this process is acknowledging the darkness. There might be a little or there might be a lot, but it is okay to admit that you are not fine. Maybe something is missing from your life. Maybe you don't enjoy it as much as you want to. Maybe you have felt this way for a while, especially when it comes to your profession. Starting with the darkness might mean saying, I'm not okay with this nine to five and I have to accept that. I'm not fine and the reason I'm still sitting at this desk is because I keep telling myself that I'm not good enough or that there's nothing else I can do. We live the lives we're willing to tolerate. Change is a really scary prospect, so a lot of people just keep telling themselves that they are okay. It's okay to not be okay, but it takes tremendous guts to let your feelings be okay. If you can truly recognize that you're not living your best life and you deserve to, you will start the real work. Sarah Knight, best-selling author of The Life-Changing Magic of Not Giving an F, has a method she created for transforming feelings of dissatisfaction and overwhelm into something tangible to be changed. The first thing you have to do is set a goal. She said on my podcast, a goal worth setting is your response to two questions. One, what's wrong with my life? And two, why? The internal conversation might look like this. What's wrong with my life? Oh, I don't get to spend enough time with my kids. Why? Because I can't seem to get out of work on time. Your goal then would be to get out of work on time, says Sarah. Now, how are you able to do that? Break the goal down into small, manageable chunks and hack away at that goal one chunk at a time. Our internal work is the first ocean to cross. It starts with the miracle of believing that we are worthy. It's about letting go of the shame and doubts that ask, who am I to have that? Who am I to do that? You will need the courage to potentially have your heart broken. We tell ourselves that we don't want things or experiences because we don't want to feel inadequate or get rejected. You will learn to be okay with yourself even if someone doesn't like your creation or you're not happy with your first try. You're going to cultivate the courage to recognize that you don't have to be perfect. Accepting the process is part of knowing that you're worth it. 
Now, here's the cool thing. It's actually quite simple to get back to your true destiny. Let's say, for example, you always loved yoga. You start going more regularly and you sign up for a teacher training program where you meet a new friend. She tells you about a studio in Costa Rica and you plan a trip together. Once you arrive, you take an afternoon course of Reiki where you realize this is where you want to focus your energy. This is the power of process. Or maybe you love talking about movie plots. You'd love to get paid to talk about movies all day. You start with a commitment to post a YouTube video reviewing plot twists every week. The momentum of the weekly video stirs up new ideas. You're getting excited about the new formats for reaching a slowly growing audience. You launch a podcast and then evening events where movie fans can come together in person. Now you're making money talking about movies all day. This is the magic of stepping into the flow. We can call it the flow, the process, the current, or the spiritual technology at play. What matters most is that you feel a sense of exploration that suggests through inspiration or chance encounters that you are on the right path. You might find yourself saying, I don't know why, maybe I should do this. As life leads you, you can stop stressing about what happens next. You surrender the how by staying aligned with the opportunities or ideas that most excite you and things start to line up. Enthusiasm lights up in the brain more than anything else. Choose the path that you are most enthusiastic about, encourages author Danielle Laporte. Enthusiasm is a heightened state of consciousness. Enthusiasm actually vibrates at a higher level than happiness or interest or contentment. Clarity will follow action. We get clues of what to do next at every stage of the process. No one knows how the path will evolve. You learn to trust your intuition and move toward what feels good where people are excited about your work and where you sense a greater opportunities to come. Just like a scavenger hunt, you'll receive clues each step of the way that will eventually lead to your purpose. Happiness is all about purpose, says Benny Friedman, lecturer and inspirational educator. As we lean into how we contribute to the planet, we develop a deep sense of contentment, which has the power to change our relationships. We get meaning from giving a part of ourselves to others and making a sacrifice for the betterment of others. We have to take this concept of purpose off its pedestal and start interacting with it in our everyday lives. Stop thinking of purpose with a capital P. Start looking for purpose and meaning where it already exists, where you can build more of it. Bring these concepts back down to earth and brush off the pressure that we need one all-defining purpose. Purpose might be making a phone call, taking an extra moment to connect with a colleague, or reframing self-defeating idea about our work. I personally feel more energized than I ever have in my entire life because I choose to be of service every single day. There's a feeling beyond happy that's on the other side of every situation that pushes you to become more and serve the world. I'm obsessed with the climb. I crave that feeling of making the world better and expressing myself, but it takes patience to develop and recognize your calling. We live in a dangerous time because we have lost reverence for the long game. We've lost the understanding that everything happens over time and we are impatient when it comes to the journey. You want to know something? Google it. You want something delivered? Order it. We're talking about your life's work. Think of the greatest novels you've ever read. Paulo Coelho's The Alchemist or Jack Kerouac's On the Road, you have to take the journey. Emily Espahani-Smith was on the podcast and she explained that only one-third of people innately know what they're meant to do and two-thirds of the world are on a journey to figure out what that is. What we tend to do is label anything other than relatively instantaneous success as a failure. Most of us don't figure out our life's work on the first try, but it's that brave first step that leads you there. Creative people are always waiting for the fairy art mother to show up. They're waiting for Hagrid to tell them that they're actually a wizard. I always say, look, Hagrid is not coming, said Andy J. Pizza. You have to look in the mirror and figure out what kind of magic you've got. 
We have this very art mother mentality because in the past there were hundreds of talent scouts and agents who were looking for people with untapped potential. These gatekeepers realized that they didn't have to expend resources on scouts as creative industry change. The talent rises to the top on the internet. Now it is not a meritocracy. It is not a perfect thing. But if someone proves that they can build an audience, then they're a good bet. There's no one out there looking for untapped potential anymore. What I suggest is be your own Hagrid. In today's creative landscape, you choose when you're ready to start. Okay, I'm going to stop there. That is powerful stuff. I mean, those are some of the biggest things that I learned on my own journey. And then um, in the rest of the chapter, I went on to share a story of one of our listeners. Tumi Makanjula was one. Tumi, if anybody remembers, she's a beautiful woman. She lives in London. She grew up in Nigeria. And um, she was listening to the podcast. And we wound up doing some of these podcast listener success stories. And she was one of them. And her story is pretty incredible because here she is living in London, born and raised in Nigeria. And she was working a, a pretty decent desk job, but something she really didn't feel was lighting her up. She started listening to the podcast and she thought, I don't want to work at my job anymore. I want to start over, but I need the money. And what do I do? And the thing that she liked doing that she didn't have a degree in was cooking. And she liked making, making Nigerian food and she was a vegan. And so she, she was making this vegan Nigerian food and the main ingredient was plantains. So um, she started making these dishes and she was listening and she was thinking like, what action could she take? And she wound up going to a couple restaurants and saying, can I do like a pop-up evening where I would make Nigerian food for your customers? And a few people said, sure. And she did it and it was a success. And um, she was like, well, what's the next thing I could do? And my podcast really inspired her. And she was like, I'm just going to take messy action. And she wound up making this Nigerian cookbook. It's, she called it the vegan Nigerian. And she made it an ebook because she didn't even want to like wait till she got like a publishing deal. And would you believe in like three months, she had sold 80,000 euros worth, which is about $80,000 more or less um, of this cookbook. And she had a really small following and she was able to transition into doing that full time. And it's a cool story, but um, Whoopi Goldberg was following her along and saw her using this hashtag vegan Nigerian. And, uh, and then Whoopi Goldberg was playing a, uh, a show in London and reached out and said, could you come DM'd her? Could you come make dinner for my friends? One of them is Nigerian. And we thought that'd be really cool. So she's like, okay. And she was like really nervous and intimidated. And she went and brought them food. And then um, they were really sweet. They're like, why don't you stay and have dinner with us? And so she did. And little by little, she built this beautiful following for people who were interested in vegan Nigerian food. And I tell that story in this chapter. And then the next story I tell in the chapter is about Jonathan Adler, who um, like a lot of us right now, he was struggling. He got fired and he was fired so many times. And he was like, what am I going to do? He tells his whole story of, oh, I think I want to do some pottery, and but I don't know how. And he was told he was never really going to make it in pottery. And his his art teacher had said, nah, that's not really your thing. And here he was like fired from like the seventh job in a row and needed to make something work. And he wound up making a few pots and calling somebody at Barney's. And the guy at Barney's came over to his fourth floor walk up and gave him some constructive feedback. And he took the feedback and he made the next thing. And then after making some pottery that was working and selling at Barney's, he took a trip to Peru and uh, he wound up meeting this beautiful um, family that makes their own threads. And he was like, well, maybe I could make something other than pottery. Maybe I could make pillows. 
And he started to do that. And then he realized, well, maybe I just love design in general. And so he followed that whisper and then started making furniture and clocks and candles and um, then started designing hotels. And, and I just find it so fascinating that when we step back and we look at people who we admire, we look at people who are successful, we think that it started just like that. And we forget that they went through a journey of um, sort of looking for clues. Like I say in this chapter, it's like a scavenger hunt. This is how the magic works. But in order for us to get led to that thing, that's ultimately that thing that really feels like what we're meant to do in the world, we have to be willing to be messy. We have to be willing to take a few stabs at it. And then we have to be willing to listen to what's coming in from the inner guidance and listen to what's coming in from the outer and like, what do people need and what is the world responding to and where is the problem I can solve and what do I really like? And that takes having um, sort of this adventurer spirit And that's part of what we're talking about in this chapter. What's also going on in this chapter is we're talking about worthiness. A lot of times we continue to do things we don't want to do because we do live the lives that we're willing to tolerate living. And I think for a lot of people right now, it feels so awful and so scary. And so much of it for me too, just so much of it just feels like, oh God, like, ugh. There's another part of it where it's like this question is being brought to the surface, which is, well, does that really make you happy? Like the routine you had, how you spent your time, what you were doing, now that that routine is different, you look back, what parts of it do you want back? Which parts of it were not really serving you or the world to the highest degree? And what would you want it to be now if you could lean into something that does feel more aligned? And then the worthiness shows up. I think a lot of people don't feel worthy of what they really dream of. When we're children, what happens is it's not only what's taught, it's what's caught. So if your parents modeled for you, they maybe said to you, you can do whatever you want, but maybe the way that they felt about themselves was that that wasn't true for them. And so you saw a person who tolerated being treated poorly or tolerated living in, in a way that wasn't in alignment. And so maybe the real message that you were taught was growing up means sacrificing yourself or being an adult means putting what you love on hold. Or if you make money, you become a jerk. So you shouldn't, or people like us are not worthy of having more, or who do you think you are to have that? And that's some of what I'm talking about in this beginning part of chapter two is what is the darkness that's there? It starts by saying, I'm not okay. I think a lot of people don't want to do that. And, and one of the most common things is I'm fine. It's fine. Whatever. It's fine. But what does that really mean? Is that a defense or is it really fine? Or is it that you've surrendered because there's like a learned helplessness because you've just assumed there's no way I could actually have fulfillment. So it's just fine. It'll be just fine. But is it really fine? Because most people get to the end of their life and then the greatest regret most people have is I didn't live life on my terms. And it's either because I gave up trying or I didn't ever feel like it was possible or I didn't feel I was worthy. Now let's talk about the possibilities, okay? 
I just interviewed two beautiful people from my podcast that own an incredible clothing line called Christy Dawn, husband and wife. They're awesome. You're going to hear the episode soon. And I asked her on the podcast, how is the business doing right now? Not a month ago, not six months ago, but now in the midst of what's happening. And they, they shared with me that this past week, right now, right now in the middle of everything, they sold 1,200 dresses. And that's amazing. Okay. So why am I bringing it up? Because we, we believe the story we tell ourselves. And right now, a lot of people are telling themselves the story that what they want is not possible, that they've lost anything that they had, even if it wasn't what they wanted, at least it was what was working and nothing else is possible now. That story is not true. And in fact, Tamara Mellon, who created a company called Jimmy Choo, when she was on the podcast two years ago, she said, two years ago that she had moved her business online because she realized that if she was selling these shoes that were 800, 900, a thousand bucks, she had to do that because the kind of shoes she sold was worth it. And then she had to pay rent. So there had to be a certain amount of money going to Nordstrom, Bloomingdale's, wherever she was selling the shoe. And she realized she could sell the shoe for less and make the same quality shoe if she Put it online. And I think that that is amazing. And now there's so many people who are saying, what do I do? And a couple of weeks ago, my husband said to me before all this stuff really like shook out for us, before we were really feeling it, a couple of weeks ago, he said, we, he brought in three catalogs that were like this big from the mailbox. And he said, at what point is this going to stop? This is not okay. Like, how can people be spending this much money and this much waste on catalogs. Like, what is this? This is not good. And I said, it is such a joke. We throw them away. It's not like that's going to make me buy a thing. It's got to stop. And so to think about the pivot of utilizing the online space is such a great question for us all to be asking. And what I've seen, you guys, and we talk about this in this chapter, is everybody's waiting for like somebody to come along and rescue them. You know, you want to meet Clive Davis and he hears you sing in the back of a church and you get your big break. But the big break, it's waiting for you. What I see going on in the world, what I've always been saying, and I see it now, of course, it's just being you know, given a spotlight, is we have an empathy problem. We have an intimacy problem. We are being asked to show up. We are being asked to connect. It's amazing how the social distancing is what we are needing to do, and yet that is highlighting for us how much we need one another and how much we affect one another and how everything is contagious. Our energy is contagious more than anything else. That's always contagious, right? Even when there's no virus, your energy is felt. Your energy is contagious. Oprah said, I went to her Super Soul Sunday taping last year and she said, I have a sign in my office that says, be responsible for the energy you bring in this room because it is contagious. So we are looking at the interconnectedness of things, the intimacy of all of us, the empathy that we need to embrace. And our job 
fully is to figure out how to show up for a few people and make things for ourselves, for our friends that bring value, that are, that feel essential. And in order to bring things in the world that feel essential right now, we have to ask ourselves, what is essential to me? And we have to get attuned to the frequency of our heart so we can tune into the frequency of other people and then start to share that. And when you start to look at how you can create community online, it is beautiful. It is breathtaking and it doesn't have to be perfect. People would rather just get to be intimate with you. It's the presence. It's the connection. And in order for you to give them the greatest, most beautiful drink to drink from, they want to drink from your heart. They want you to just be there. And that's where anchoring yourself in a little bit of mindfulness a few moments a day is going to really help you. So when you're showing up with somebody else, there's a weight to the eye contact. There's a weight to the resonance. And there's an openness and a discovery of like what's here between us right now. What might get created in this conversation that we both weren't planning on because we didn't come with an agenda that's magic. And right now there's an incredible opportunity to listen and to connect and to create things that are essential. And so I'm on a roller coaster just like you are. Um, I have moments right now where I start to feel really spun out and really stressed out and really scared. And then I have moments where I'm really sitting here with what's showing up and what's coming here and what what's here for me to learn and what's the magic in this right now? And I know that that's triggering for people to even hear that there might be something beautiful and there might be an awakening in the death. There's a grieving right now that's going on and we have to be honest with that too. There's a grieving, there is a grieving and there's a weight to that. And there's a grieving for lots of reasons. People are literally passing away. And then there's a grieving of businesses. There's a grieving and to not tune into that would be weird and I mean, that's not mindful. At the same time, often when you look at a seed in order for there to be new life, there's a breaking down and then there's a rising up. So right now we're in this breakdown in order to give way to the birth of something else. So we need to come home to being more in tune with ourselves, with our sorrow, with our possibility, with each other. And so my question to you is what comes up for you when you think about if you knew you were worthy, what would you want to be creating? If you looked at the question, you know, what is essential for me? When all is stripped away, what do I absolutely need? You might say, I need meditation. You might say, I need to take a walk. You might say, when all is stripped away, I need music. You might say, when all is stripped away, I need friendship. When all is stripped away, I need to go make things. That's a great question because in there might be the answer to what is essential. Essential businesses are open right now. I think it, it's a good thing to look at because I think what's going to make it through this is us all figuring out what are the essential businesses. And that's another way of saying, what are the essential ways that I serve the world? And maybe there's a, there's a birth to things that feel more in alignment and more essential for all of us that will sustain themselves because they're the things that everybody needs more than anything else. And then the question is, how do we start creating those? And there's so many incredible tools to doing that. I hope that gave you guys some good food for thought. Here are the takeaways. Number one, your presence on planet Earth is a serious matter. 
You are here for a reason. We need you. Number two, the world needs people who do what makes them most happy. Number three, we live the lives we're willing to tolerate. Number four, there is always room for you to shine. Number five, surrender the how by staying aligned with the opportunities or ideas that most excite you. Once you step into this current of life, things start to line up. Number six, start with acknowledging the darkness that's there. It's okay to admit you're not okay. Number seven, people don't need perfection. They want your presence and your connection. They want you to be there for them. This is the time. And number eight, ask yourself, what is essential for me? When everything is stripped away, what do I need? Okay, we're going to celebrate your wins. Jana posted in our Facebook group and she said, I took a leap and held an online networking event for a few women. I kept it small, hoping to keep it intimate and valuable for them. It feels great to have connected women and share our points on adapting to changes. I'm so thankful for the book, Don't Keep Your Day Job. It was the best gift that I ever received because it inspired me to take this leap. Jana, that's so awesome. I love that you made yourself available, raised your hand to show up, and you created this beautiful group based on intimacy and connection. You're putting so much good in the world and you're helping these women just by providing a space for them to feel seen and heard and to know that they're not alone in this time. I'm so glad that my book gave you that nudge to take action like this. So please keep us posted on where it takes you and the friendships that you build. All right, here's another wind. Yugal said, like many across the globe, I've been homebound because of the coronavirus outbreak. As fate would have it, March 20th was my birthday. And because I could neither go out nor hang out with my friends, it was a huge bummer. I always wanted to do something memorable and different on this day. So given the circumstances, I indulged in art and drew a self-portrait. I'm new to art, so it was quite a task to draw my own self like that. But by the end of it, I was pretty happy with what I drew. And it made the day a tad bit more special for me because it made me look at myself differently. So I guess that's a win. You all, first of all, I just want to say happy belated birthday. I'm so sorry you had to spend it in quarantine, but I'm proud of you because it sounds like you chose to make the most of it. You let yourself explore a new interest and look at where it led you. Now you have this newfound perspective of who you are and the artistic gifts inside of you. I hope that you continue to let yourself follow these little voices of wonder and curiosity. And I'm so excited about how you're going to evolve from all of this. Let us know where this takes you. And hopefully once things are back to normal, you can have a full-on in-person birthday celebration because you deserve it. If you guys have a win you want to celebrate, you want us to share, you can post it in the Don't Keep Your Day Job Facebook group, or you can DM me on Instagram at kathy.heller, Kathy's with a C. I can't thank you enough for listening. I know there's so much you could be doing with your time. We have some really awesome episodes coming up. If you haven't already, please subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. It's completely free. And if you found some value from this episode or any other episode, I'd love it if you could ask yourself, who might be one person right now? Who do I know who could use this? Who is one person who, if they heard this, this might change their life for the better? And then whoever you think of, go ahead right now and share this podcast. Text them the link, email them the link, post it in your Instagram and tag me, and then I'll, I'll repost it and send you a personal thank you. It seems like these days the whole world is feeling really heavy. So it might be one of those things that maybe helps people a little bit. I do feel like it's a responsibility we all have to just keep shining a light as much as we can. Remember, I am doing this free book club next week, Monday and Wednesday, five o'clock sessions, five o'clock Pacific Standard Time. I'll be live on Instagram and in the Don't Keep Your Day Job Facebook group. You can sign up for this, kathyheller.com slash book club. That link is also in the show notes when you sign up. 
It allows you to get what homework we're doing and the journal prompts. It allows you to get the replay of the session in case you miss it live. Um, and we'll also be doing some giveaways for those of you who answer the uh, homework questions. I love you guys. Stay healthy and safe. I'll leave you with a song of mine and I'll talk to you on Monday. Bye.